If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? So hey everyone, welcome back to the Kevin and HJ podcast. And of course, I have Andrew back on the pod as we talk about the crazy season in the NBA just past the trade deadline and man that it i think i don't know if it lived up to your expectations of what we we, we expected just because Anthony Davis didn't get traded yeah but there was still a lot of other action that ended up happening no yeah as i've had the chance to think about it more as it kind of passed i said to you like it felt slightly disappointing because like just because it kind of ended with a whimper as opposed to like big deals but when you look back kind of a week ago when we talked about the Porzingis trade from then until now there was pretty much something really really big happening every day so and there's so much to talk about I think there were 20 I was listening to a podcast yesterday there were 24 total transactions I think that's pretty that's, that's pretty a crazy lot. And yeah that's it was mo- a way lot. more than people predicted so there's there's so much to talk about but I think a good a good place to start would be kind of the to paraphrase fallout boy uh, I don't, a minor fallout boy single this ain't a scene it's an arms race <laughs> in, in the east um, what what are your g- general impressions of kind of what happens with the top teams in the east I mean I think that that down. lyric aptly described what is going on in the east exactly to to a T because of all the stuff and all the moves that the top four teams, well, Boston didn't really make a move, but Anthony Davis, possibilities in the summer. But the other three teams, Philly, Toronto, and Milwaukee, they all made win-now type of moves um, because I think they feel like the East is up for grabs for the first time in who knows how long since LeBron's left – Cleveland and the heat and all that type of stuff so basically in eight to ten years this is like the first time that LeBron is not going to be coming out of the east as a finalist so I think there's this there's this thing where a bunch of these teams are feeling like oh wow we actually have a chance and we're really going to actually try to go for it yeah and interestingly uh, my friend was pointing this out the other day and he's right i mean it's pretty self-evident it was maybe even true before the trade deadline obvious the warriors are the prohibitive favorite to win the league but teams two through five when you're just looking at who are the best teams in the nba i don't know if you'd agree with this i think the general logic is the next four best teams are those top four east teams so Mm -hmm. the east kind of it's going to be really fun to watch all those teams yeah like during the the eastern conference semis like just to see the matchups between those four teams is going to be so exciting to see and they're all going to have so much on the line when it comes to when you think about the sixers and you think about uh jimmy butler and possibly tobias harris leaving and what the makeup of that team's going 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 to be going forward when you think about the Celtics, them getting to at least the Eastern Conference Finals, I think is pretty imperative when it right. comes to keeping Kyrie and possibly luring AD. You have Toronto and Kawhi, so so there's there's a lot to really dig into. I don't know if you wanna. Yeah, and I think 
just another point on yeah. that. I think that's really important for the listeners to realize is that now that the trade deadline has passed and all the theoretical moves and trades that you can make yeah. has pretty much Give passed. Or take a buyout or two, exactly, you know? and I mean buyouts aren't going to swing yeah. a series yeah, that probably much not. probably, but the big moves of this season are over and now we could see the product on the court and how that's going to affect this summer. And like you outlined in terms of what's going to happen in the Eastern conference, the two teams that don't make it out of the semifinals, I would say like whoever they end up being, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of questions. Like, if Milwaukee doesn't make it out, like the the impending Gian- is Giannis leaving Milwaukee, all mm-hmm. that type of stuff. They have a bunch of free agents as well, um, upcoming. Like they have Bledsoe coming up, that's on a fr- free agent or is going to be a free agent. Chris Middleton, who's probably yep. their second best player, is going to be a free agent. So, al- all these teams have questions as to if they don't progress far enough into the playoffs, what type of moves management is going to and what what direction management is going to take each of these teams? Um, so I guess like let's get into some of the trades that yeah, they made. I think we should start in Philly just because that happened the first chronologically. Right, right. And that I don't know. Would you? I don't. It's a really fascinating idea. Like which one was the biggest move in terms of like impact making their yeah in terms of impact in terms of ma- because uh, g- given that the Sixers. This was definitely the most like all in move. So I think we can I don't know, do you have the terms for that pulled up and we can we I can do. Okay. So Philly acquired Tobias Harris, Bobon. <laughs> There's like that weird friendship. Yeah, the Bobby and Toby show. Yeah, heading. Bobby Toby. So both of them, Mike Scott, who's a nice rotation piece from the fr- from the Clippers, and the Clippers ended up getting from Philly. Uh, Landry Shamit, who's been a pretty nice young guard. He's for them, arguably uh, been for their best player off the bench. Wouldn't yeah, that be? I, w- uh, I would say so. Him, yeah. him, and like Muscala were kind of like yeah. the bulk of what they were doing. Um, Shamit, Wilson Chandler, Mike Muscala, lottery protected first round pick, a 2021 first, a 2021 second. And then 2023 second. Yeah, and that 2021 first was from Miami, which is correct. Which was probably the most valuable pick in like available. There's that Grizzlies pick uh, in Boston right Mm -hmm. now. That's arguably going to be pretty valuable too if if the Grizzlies continue to kind of tank. You know, right, right, right. That'll be worth something. But that that pick was one of the most probably valuable draft pick assets in the league. So let's start from the Philly perspective because that that makes just more sense. Uh, before before we even get into like was it worth it? It's an interest. They paid more for Tobias Harris than Jimmy Butler, which is kind of an interesting thing to think about. And all of those at was it worth it is a f- kind of in- fascinating perspective, I think. But let's just talk about on the court. What what it, what are your kind of first impressions from? how this will impact their chances of getting out of the East. Uh, On the court, I actually, like the starting five, that's like a deadly starting five. Just if you go down the list, Simmons at point, then you have Redick at shooting guard. 
Um, you have Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, who's going to provide a lot of shooting for them. He's having a career year, yeah. uh, three-point shooting, and then Joel Embiid. Like, yeah. that starting five is probably one of the best in the in the league probably almost probably second to to golden state honestly. yeah i think it's better than the celtic starting lineup and yeah, yeah i think yeah agree so just on talent starting five wise i i would put my money on philly to make it the farthest out of all the eastern conference interesting teams. if you just looked at looked at the top oh okay five. okay but we get into problems when looking at their bench because and we could maybe even throw this deal in because this this involved Philly. They traded away Markel Fultz. Yes. And it's not like he gave them anything or anything anything like that, but just think about a couple years, two years ago when they had that pick, the number one pick. They traded up for, for it from three with Boston to make the Markel Fultz pick, and now it's become Jonathan Simmons and a protected first. Yeah. it It's a big that's a huge disappointment yeah like they could have had tatum or even lonzo ball and that would have just been even those two players would have been somewhat productive for that team and at, and at least been a rotation piece for this playoff run and now they have not much to show for it which is a huge disappointment i mean i hope markel kind of does well in orlando and like really blossoms but getting on getting back to philly my worry is their guard depth and what, like, you're basically putting a ton on TJ McConnell. Yeah. Um, and, who like, my problem in the starting five, who's going to guard the ones, like the point guards? Maybe Jimmy Butler guards a lot of the point guards, and then Simmons kind of moves to, like, one of the small forwards. I think on the court it can get, get kind of interesting, especially in the fast break type of game, like a lot of cross matchups yeah. and things like that. So that might be a worry as well. And then, I mean, they have like a seven, like seven guys, six and a half guys. I feel like they trust um, on that team. The starting five: Mike Scott, possibly Boban, spot minutes, and then I don't, I don't I really mean, know who else. I mean, pretty much all of those guys are gonna have to play. Um, you're there. I've read that they're looking at Wayne Ellington on the buyout market. I mean, they basically need one of those wings that's left on the buyout market. And obviously, it, I, I think Wes, Wes Matthews is Wesley gone. Matthews is gone, so I don't know yeah. if there's anyone else even really off on the board after a Wayne lot Ellington of centers and like big men on the buyout market. Yeah, like Cantor and all these guys. Yeah, I don't know how much that really helps them, but. You know what will be interesting before we even get there, though? the <coughs> There had been these kind of problems starting to emerge slightly when it came to kind of the balance of labor in the Simmons, uh, Butler, Embiid triumvirate. Right, right, right. So definitely Tobias Harris is a theoretical help because he adds shooting, mm -hmm. but it will be interesting. I was watching Inside the NBA, and Charles Barkley brought this up last night, like and we've seen the problems with this emerge with the Celtics this year. Right. More talent, you would think, solves all problems. Does but that's not. not always the case. Um, those guys need to, especially I'm looking at Jim, I'm side-eyeing Jimmy Butler when I say this. Those guys kind of need to throw their egos out the window and just kind of play ball and not worry about their touches. There's going to be a lot on Brett Brown's head to kind of scheme this in a way. An interesting thing that kind of he can possibly do with with these four guys now that they have is stagger their minutes in such a way where maybe you have 
Butler kind of running bench units, Tobias Harris running bench units, mm-hmm. and kind of filter things in a way where all of those guys can patch up kind of gaps, right, gaps right, right. in the bench. But that it kind of needs to come together fairly quickly for them. We and, have and the All Star break right. coming up, and you're going toward, and then it's a kind of all downhill towards the end of the season. And it's not like you have. It's not like one of moves where, okay, if it doesn't work next year, we can run it back and see what happens. That's not a. It's certainly possible that they can bring back all those guys, and that's. I, what they're looking to do, but there's no guarantee that that'll happen. So it's really interesting. There's a lot of kind of balls that need to be juggled. Well, let's get a, like, and that's the thing that I I worry about in terms of whether or not chemistry wise they're able to come together as a team and really accept the roles that they have um, that they're given and. Tobias Harris is, was, like, borderline all-star this year, and he ended up, like, what are you going to do with him on offense? Are you going to stick him in the corner and be like, just stand here, and, like, if you get the ball, shoot the ball. Yeah. Like, someone like Nikola Miritich could have given you that for some something sure. far cheaper. Sure. Um, like, I think part of the, the Tobias Harris trade is partly because of this upcoming summer with Harris and – Jimmy Butler being free agents and I think that's a something that they can they traded for him so they they can mitigate the losses if if Butler, Butler decides, decides to, leave. to leave. Yeah. Um and I think it's possible that they're going to be like, "Hey, we're offering this to Tobias and and go to Butler's people and say, "Hey, accept this because this is what we're offering. If you don't go with this, then we're just going with Tobias." Like I think that's a real possibility here. And it's they're basically playing both of them against each other in the nego- negotiating table this summer. I could see that they've talked about bringing the whole crew back long term, and that starts to get really, really expensive. Especially if this team loses in the second round, then uh, management's gonna be scratching their head and saying, "Man, this team got us just to the second round. Like, are we really gonna go into the tax and for this team?" Yeah, um, and just hope Simmons and Embiid get that much better and carry us, um, car- carry us all the way. No, and that's an interesting. I think that I think that's a great point because it does seem like if they lose in the chance, if they lose in the second round, that your chances of bringing back that bi- that big four are, um, are get smaller and smaller. <coughs> I think even though Butler's the be- better player now depending on what kind of a deal you can get Harris on. If he's going to be less than a max, if you can get him for slightly less than a max, maybe I'd rather have him long-term. That's a pretty interesting question, but we don't have to go that far down towards the rabbit hole. But what what that does start to get at, and you mentioned, so as this trade kind of went through, I immediately liked it for the Clippers. I'm sure you like yeah, it yeah. for the Clippers now. Mm-hmm. They are arguably got the best. They arguably won a trade as... By the way, this doesn't mean Philly necessarily lost the trade, but I think they maybe were the best from like what they just got. Like in any given trade, I think they're up there dealing a guy on an expiring that you probably weren't that interested in bringing back. He mm-hmm. was probably your plan B. You know, if you don't yeah, get a strike, Kawhi, out, yeah, right, if you strike, strike out, out with the other big yep. guys, and you got one of the most valuable picks in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and a couple other pieces. Sham, it'll be an interesting piece that they can throw in. They kind of did these other things later on in acquiring Jamichael Green and uh, Garrett Temple. You have a couple guys you can still play. You're probably now dropping out of the playoffs, but that's fine. You get to keep your pick. They had this lottery pick that they owed to the Celtics. You don't get thrashed by the Warriors in the first round. Yeah, I think it's a very mature move on Balmer's part to, to kind of look at things in the longer term. And I'm sure having Jerry West in that front office, and there are other smart guys in the front office as well, Lawrence Frank and the like, mm-hmm. they looked at their situation and said, why do we care about making the eighth seed? Let's make a move now that will set us up better. In the future, even if we strike out in free agency, now we're going to have a lot of assets to throw in, in a trade when the when the next guy uh, gets up. disgruntled. Right, right. So I really like that from them. But now looking at things from the Sixers' perspective, you're pretty at – I mean, you have no more assets at this point. Well, this is the team. This, this is, is the, the team. team. Yeah. So this is kind of that interesting quandary when you have all this cap space and stuff like that, kind of the – I'm assuming they're kind of looking at things like – how what more can we do to kind of improve this team and this is this is the play they kind of made now like you said they have these two guys that are kind of insurance for one another with the goal probably being bringing them all back but um you know yeah i don't know kind of and yeah it's like could you have but i you when you mentioned it, this is kind of what I wanted to get mm-hmm. at. Were you better off just d- making a trade for someone like Miritich instead? That that's kind of what I can't help wondering when I look at all of these things. And the it's yeah. a bigger home run swing, but the more I think about it, I can certainly see the rationale behind it, and I, and I don't think it was necessarily the wrong move yeah. but i think we could be looking back at this in two years and kind of and if saying espe- right yikes that did not pan out well especially if harris or butler ends up leaving somewhere like it starts getting you start getting oh shoot like they gave up all those assets for those guys when they could have stuck with this team look what covington's doing in minnesota yeah Thing, you know like things like that they're bit pieces but they fit their role very well and I think that's, I think that's the hard thing in the NBA, when this this idea ta- of talent winning out all the time. And I do agree, you have to have this base talent of like usually two to three stars or yeah. so. And then past that, it gets like if you can if you can get role players that really buy into their roles. Once they get to th- that point, then you can start building a championship team, and then. We and then if things get bad, usually when we see bad chemistry teams, it's usually guys wanting more and more and being like, "Oh, I can do this, I can do that," and basically taking it upon themselves to tank the team's chemistry in order to look at their own stats, look after their own. Yeah, stats. and that's why it'll really also be interesting to kind of see as Simmons creeps towards like the end of his rookie deal, kind of even if they bring all these guys back. If there's continuing issues, does he seem like the odd man out? You know, right, what right. would be real quick before we move on to maybe another East team. How old is Tobias Harris? Pop quiz. He's like our age. I think he's twenty he's or 20s, my age, twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah. yeah, and he's been on like four different teams. He's yeah. been traded so many times. Uh-huh. So shout out to him. That's why it. That's kind of the one thing about kind of keeping him going forward. 
it, I don't know if he has room for growth left in his game necessarily, but he's really proven himself to be kind of kind of an interesting piece. Right, so right. Shouts to him. Yeah. So let's move on to the other East teams that made some big deals. Let's. I think we should go to Toronto okay. because th- I think they made the second like splashy name move. Yeah, uh, I agree. Acquiring Marcus All from the Grizzlies for. Jonas Valanciunas, C.J. Miles, DeLon Wright, 2024 second-round draft pick. I mean, what are your general thoughts about the trade? Because my general thoughts are, like, when I showed you in class um, in evidence and I was like, oh, look at this Woj bomb. My initial reactions were, that's a good trade for Toronto. Like, Toronto didn't give up that much in rotation pieces like DeLon Wright's a nice piece, but they still have Fred Van Vliet yeah. backing up Kyle Lowry. Yeah. CJ Miles was out of the rotation. Yes. Jonas Valanciunas is getting replaced by Marcus Hall. Yeah. And then they all they had to do was throw a second round pick. It it just made it feel like the Grizzlies they it it, it was almost sad that Gasol went for that little because of what what he's meant to that city and yes. all those things. But on the trade trade market obviously he wasn't valued that highly honestly this is a pretty genius level move from Masai Ujiri he got off salary while acquiring Marcus Hall yep Valanchunas has another year left at <clears throat> whatever his salary is some it was like t- close it's to 18 million 18, I think 20 million close so to it. yeah you get that get off that in terms for Marcus Hall who we don't know whether he's going to opt in or opt out mm-hmm. but if he opts out your clearing space. And right. CJ Miles had another year left and he mm. was out of the rotation, as you mentioned. Delon Wright is a nice piece. The Grizzlies like him a lot. He could possibly start for them depending on yeah. what happens with, with Conley down the line. Um so he's a nice sweetener to add in. But yeah, you make a great point. They basically what they did and the lineup kind of questions are fascinating with Toronto as to like who starts out of the Siakam Abaka um gasol trio we can maybe get into that in a, in a second but yeah i'd like to know your thoughts updating on that. that upgrading that position for not a whole lot while kind of probably increasing your cap flexibility that's about as good as it gets but from the memphis perspective um you didn't really hear about anything other than Charlotte and and or in Toronto. Yeah. And I think this was probably preferable to a Charlotte deal. They mm-hmm. did end up taking money, and I do wonder what will happen with Valanchunas. Like, he's kind of a poor man's Marcus All in a way. Yeah. And does he in, it make them too good to really tank properly will be an interesting mm-hmm. question, especially consi- depending on whether they move Conley or not. If they move Conley, the answer is probably no. Yeah. If they keep Conley, that'll kind of be an interesting thing to see. But anyway, uh, compared to a Charlotte deal where they were probably taking back a Biombo or something like that, to get Dillon right, like it just shows like when you have those little sweeteners to throw in, that, that can make or break a deal. The other interesting question is, once Gasol knew he was on the block, did he just want to get moved? And did the Grizzlies say, like, we'll do you a solid by sending you to Toronto instead of Charlotte? That's kind of an I interesting question as well. But mm. I don't fault them. At that at this point, I wouldn't I think it was I think it was a good move to move him and just get back what you could yeah, get yeah. back. I think so that's I don't really fault the Grizzlies either. I think that's basically what they were gonna do because I think with with this player option 
think he would have opted out if he stayed in Memphis, but if he went to, like, now that he's in Toronto, I think there's a possibility that he opts back in, depending, unless they, like, agree to some extension where they extend him for a little bit, get get off a little bit of money uh, the, the, for the upcoming cap year. But, I'm, I mean, my thoughts on this trade in terms of, like, what's going to be on the court for Toronto I think is a fascinating decision between what Nick Nurse is going to do with those three big men that you outlined. Like, Siakam and Serge Ibaka have been ridiculous. Like, they've been really good yeah. um, with that starting five of them two, Kawhi, Danny Green, and Kyle Lowry. They've been amazing this season. Uh, Serge has kind of had, like, this little resurgence this oh, year. Oh, for sure. Um, even though his three-point percentage hasn't been great, he's had a, like, I think he's averaging the most points he has in, like, three years or something like that. So he's really taken upon himself that that fo- stretch five type of role instead of being slotted in as a four. And I think he fits really well. And I don't know why you would touch that um, starting lineup. Yeah. And maybe you just, what I, I was reading, like, People were kind of arguing back and forth the reasonings as to why to start Gasol over Obaka. I think Gasol can carry more of an offense on a bench unit. So, like, let's say you just have him and Lowry or something, like, on those bench units. Those two can do pick and roll. Like, you can put Gasol at the high post. He can operate there and, and be, like, this point center. And he'll do really great in that role as well. And then maybe in like depending on matchups down the stretch, maybe you play Ibaka and Gasol together depending on if the team has two bigs um, in the game, or put Siakam out there and Gasol just depending on matchups. I think that that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, and uh, what I say to the question of who should they start is uh, to paraphrase a El Paso commercial, "Porquelo nos dos," meaning. Um, what Nick Nurse was doing with Valanchunas was if you're playing Philly against Joel Embiid, you start Valanchunas and Siakam. Mm-hmm. If you're playing who, the Boston, you start uh, Siakam and Abaka. You know right, what I right. mean? You're just playing, you're just kind of adjusting depending on matchup and you know what I mean? Kind of mixing mm. and matching things to make things work. I don't think Marcus would nor should he have any problem with that. I'm going to him and saying, "Look, man, this is your best chance—the best chance in your career you have to go to a finals. Yeah, where you're going to get minutes. You're getting 30 minutes a game, probably, whether you start or not. They're going to get so he's gonna get 20 to 32 yeah, minutes. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, just be, uh, be a team player, and I I don't think that'll be a problem. So I think it's just a great. Upgrade. You basically just upgraded that Valanciunas spot to someone who can actually defend and has has a legit, mm-hmm. even though it's not like super duper of incri- insane, a guy who can shoot threes and and defend a an Embiid or someone like that. It really just in terms of their play. I don't know if the regular season it boosts their chances to win the you know be the first seed in the East like so much, but it gives them that kind of matchup versatility that they that they need to get out of the East possibly. Yeah, I think one of the things that I did want to talk there's a couple things actually. So 
on Memphis's side, what they do with Mike Conley eventually is going to yeah. be interesting. They ended up deciding to hold on to him um, uh, past the trade deadline. So he's going to be on there for at least this next half season. I think, tra- And I think the reason why they held on to Conley rather than Gasol was just contracts because they have Conley on for another two years, I believe, past this year. So it's... It's not they could have they could wait on him. And he's a little younger. I think he's like three or four years younger um than Gasol. So they could kind of wait on him and see what type of market develops. I don't know if it'll really develop into a huge market for him. But a a nice playoff team could probably use him like I mean, they're kicking the rocks with Utah on like a trade like that, um, with Rubio. So eventually, maybe during draft season, like once all the picks are decided, then we'll kind of see if that's a possibility of a draft day deal going down as well. And then also another point I did want to make is what this means for, like, does this sway like Kawhi enough to kind of be like, oh, okay, they're kind of Toronto's in win now mode or just like kind of reading the tea leaves. Do you see, do you feel like you see an uptick from Kawhi, like, oh, maybe I'm a little bit more interested in staying here, or is he? Is it just like, I'm not, I, I don't care. I'd like to say something about both of those things, actually. Yeah. Actually, just on the Conley piece, I wonder if, I don't know what the Utah machinations, like what those trades were looking like. Right, like right. Maybe they just didn't get a good enough offer mm-hmm. to, to sweeten the deal. But I also read that Conley... Um, didn't want to go to Utah and he wanted to go to the East. And right, I right, wonder right. if loyalty didn't play something there. It's a shame if Oladipo weren't hurt. I feel like the Pacers were kind of the no-brainer team. And mm-hmm. maybe when Oladipo comes back, those things just reboot next year. So I'm I'm definitely not putting it out of the realm of possibility that they just didn't get a good enough trade. But I don't think holding on to Conley is like a guaranteed what if he goes down with another injury? Yeah, you know what I mean. And then his market plummets, and you're and you're stuck with him for the next mm. few years. That That's doesn't hurt in terms of like a tank, like a kind of rebuild from the rebuilding side of things. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to say that holding on to him is is not without risk. And if they had a good offer from Utah on the table, and passed on it just just to do Conley a solid, I'm not sure if that'll be the right move down the stretch. Mm. So on the Kawhi thing. Does it int- move the needle in terms of him staying? I don't think so, honestly. Yeah. I think it does show that they're committed to winning this season, but I think he already knew that they were committed to winning this mm-hmm. season. I don't think it really does much. However, if he decides to le- I still think it helps them, even if he leaves, because if Kawhi leaves, I think Gasol's more likely to opt out. And mm-hmm. then you have flexibility to, you know, move Lowry and tear it down or go out in free agency and look for a piece or two to kind of keep things afloat. So regardless of whether it helps Kawhi stay or not, I, I think it, it's helpful both ways. And that's why I said earlier I think it was such a smart move from, from Ujiri yeah. either way. Yeah, because it, if Kawhi does leave – Gasol, I don't know if stays and he yeah. just opts out, and then you go full res and you go reset. And this was like, yeah, this was the known risk that Toronto kind of knew going into this season yeah. what they were gonna do. Like this was the plan basically. Yeah, and they're basically shoving all their chips in the middle of the table and saying, "All right, we're going all in right now. 
Hopefully we make the finals and make it a series against Golden State, and then Kawhi's enticed to stay. Um, and then Gasol's probably like, oh, I'll stay here too. If we're going to just run it back next year and see what that's like, why not try it out and see what happens? Um, and everyone would come back if Kawhi's like Kawhi wants to come back, and so does Gasol. So I think it's a masterful plan by Ujiri because then he could kind of reposition himself, like you were saying, for next for the next offseason, depending on what Kawhi does. Um, yeah, I don't think it moves the needle at all. I yeah. think he's going to do what he wants to do. Agreed. Whether, whether it's go to the Clippers or whatever he wants to do. But I think that's the – I think that's an interesting subplot. For as, sure. As we're talking about making uh, those Eastern Conference semifinals that much more interesting because of – if they make the Eastern Conference Finals or the Finals, like that might just swing in Toronto's favor in keeping Kawhi. And then all the destruction in, in the other teams might happen as well. So talking about the, la- the, th- the third out of the four teams that made a trade out of the top four teams in the East, Milwaukee ended up acquiring Nikola Miritich from the Pelicans. And, I mean, the Pelicans have been dealing with a ton of shit. Uh, for Jason Smith, Stanley Johnson, and four second-round picks. And then the way that Milwaukee acquired Stanley Johnson was that they traded Thon Maker um, to the Detroit Pistons like a day before that. So yep. he, so basically Stanley Johnson was like, all right, give me the Bucks jersey. All right, <laughs> I'm coming in. Go, Give me the Pelicans jersey. So um, three teams in a year. Not as much as Stauskas and um, Wade Baldwin. <laughs> like they'd be probably become best friends, like flying all over. Yeah, the country. we need a buddy comedy about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure type thing about yeah, them yep, just exactly. flying from or running from terminal to terminal in the PDX airport. Yep, yep. So, um, yeah. I mean, what are your general thoughts? Like, this is. I think I'm wanted to take a higher level view of this deal and what it says about the NBA and and the value that they place on picks because I found it interesting when we were trying to discuss we're discussing this off uh, podcast and we're saying like what do you realistically value a second round pick like how much is four second round picks yeah because like I, I I think a lot of people would say that follow the NBA that Four seconds don't mean too much at all. Yeah. And, like, do they equal one first? Do they equal, like, a lottery first? Do they equal, like, a first-round pick that's not in the lottery? So it's, like, I think it, it's a really interesting move in terms of, like, what different teams value. Yes. And just to throw, to not answer your question and just throw another element into it, because I was listening to a podcast. This is pretty much directly lifted from Nate Duncan's NBA podcast. But what about picks versus taking on money or something like that? Mm. Because I was, this was in the context of them talking about the Blazers. It's not me bringing it up. Mm. But would you rather have the 20th pick and take on Myers Leonard or the deal that the Bucks gave. I mean that the Bucks gave you. You know mm, what I mean. Yeah. Those uh, picks versus money, and those are all things that yeah. come into consideration. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that you can look at this, and this is kind of something we've come, 
we've come back to as we've kind of had our trade deadline talks. Right, right. Just the good good GMing and having assets and having cap flexibility. The Bucks actually acquired um, those two second round picks that probably put them over the hump from the Wizards mm-hmm. for take. They actually got that in a salary dump where the Wizards gave them Jason Jason Smith right, right, a right. couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So having kind of neutral salary to send up and picks picks to give up really probably won them the deal in this circumstance. And I think that's what ended up, from a Pell's perspective, I think that's what ended up happening. I think they didn't want to take on money. And if you were looking at a Utah or a Portland or whoever else might have been in the mix here, um, they decided if, uh, who knows if those offers offers were on the table, but I think they decided the 23rd pick and taking on a salary of over $8 million for next year isn't worth it and we'll yeah, take take right. the more neutral salary option with with four seconds which doesn't i agree with you it, i don't think it does much and i don't think it equals a first in a vacuum does it equal the 30th pick of the first round yes, yes. i think so yeah but you know it, w- doing all that math is, is tough but i think for the pelicans they're probably just looking at this point to kind of stock you're just kind of stock a la cleveland you're just going to stock the chest with as as much as you can and yep. it definitely will is worthwhile from that perspective, given that you don't need Miritich at all. And and I think you made interesting points there with like even little deals that these these NBA GMs are making, like the Jason Smith salary dump where they ended up getting those seconds uh, from Washington and being able to take on that contract. Like if you look at everything in the aggregate, that ended up helping them take uh, get Nikola Miritich. And I think that's what a lot of it's like so easy to evaluate a lot of these trades in a vacuum and be like, I don't get that or that makes no sense at all. But when you look at in the aggregate and like see all basically all the chess moves that these GMs are making, you're like you start to appreciate like the negotiations negotiation aspect of all right, let me just bargain for another, like ask for a second round pick and see what that can get yep. me. And then from there, that second round pick is jettisoned off to s- somewhere else to b- maybe at, add a valuable rotation piece. And that's the most, I, f- I find that part really interesting because this value of second round picks, and we talked about this off air, but the CBA is changing. It's going to change, I think, in a couple of years. And there's all this talk about twenty or um, the the rookies class in terms of kids being able to el- uh, enter um, their draft at age eighteen instead of nineteen and not having to take a year off from high school or in between high school and the pros. So there's this talk about there being a double dip year of basically McDonald's All-Americans from the, the last class that had to go to college and then all the McDonald's Americans that make the jump straight from high school to the pros. And that year is going to basically push every all these players down yeah. um, in the draft order and possibly make those second-round picks a lot more appealing. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean don't, we really don't know when that's happening, 
It might be next year. Like I, I don't really. I know. think it was. I think the estimated date is twenty twenty two for yeah, that. Yeah. Is so, is yeah. possible? So I think that draft right, right. So that can be an interesting. Oh, for sure. Um, little wrinkle to kind of look out for for like NBA fans when maybe this is why these teams are just kind of stockpiling these seconds and seeing what yeah. they can get. And them. I think I think the kind of big takeaway is that like second round picks don't matter until they do kind of. And you can look at the flip side in what Houston did at the end of the deadline, which mm. is more and more perplexing as you look at it. It is which weird. is kind of and I've read that like their new owner, Tillman Fertitta, maybe is reticent to pay the luxury tax not like Les Alexander yes yeah. which which is affecting them and you see them doing things like kind of randomly shipping off James Ennis mm-hmm. and you have to attach a second round pick in all those deals yeah and you you can just see Daryl Morey like kind of like wincing as he has to do this mm-hmm. at the behest of his owner because I think he's one of these GMs that knows that like sure it seems Nothing. You know, it seems like nothing to just right. kind of give away this this small piece, but it doesn't matter until you're the Bucks and you can kind of right, use right. these second round. Picks. And then, can you imagine in their next like deal, they're they're like, yeah, it'd be nice if we could get another second, yeah, and be like, shit, we gave that away f- to attach to James Ennis yeah. or something like that, yeah, um, yeah, and that'll be an interesting, another interesting piece for Philly as well. But getting back to like the Meritage stuff, yes. like because I think we kind of like glossed went, over. Yeah, right, right. Right. yeah, I think he he's like this perfect fit for Milwaukee. Um, yeah. like right next to Giannis, I think the small ball aspect of Giannis playing small ball five can be fairly that's fascinating. Th- that's exactly what my um, biggest like. That's I think the coolest yeah. thing that possibly came out from mm-hmm. this trade. To be honest with you, yeah, he it that. Matt, like that, like I guess lineup is gonna be very interesting. I wonder what the offensive or offensive and defensive numbers look like when they play like five to ten games and see if it bears out. Um, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how how they look because I think they were like a guy and a half short in their rotation to see like they were basically playing DJ Wilson, who's who's having like a nice year. Um, Brooke Lopez was getting minutes as well. Connaughton. So Connaughton. Like, yeah, Connaughton kind of fell out of the the rotation. So it's like they had these bit guys that were, like, on the fringes, but I just don't know if they were going to be able to, I don't know, kind of make a huge jump or move. And it's going to be their playoff hopes are resting on Giannis. And that's my worry about this team is are they just this regular season team that kind of like outworks, outperforms these teams? And then like when it gets to the Eastern Conference semifinals and you're playing Philly or you're playing Boston and you have you need your seven to eight guys to play in that one game. Talent wise, Giannis is there. Chris Middleton's there like Eric Bledsoe. Like it, it starts getting precarious as you start looking down the roster and say, "Can I rely on Malcolm Brockton in a big situation? Can I rely on like uh, Brooke Lopez or all these guys like DJ Wilson? He's a, he's a young guy. Yeah. So that becomes the worry, and I think Miritich just just adds like another piece for them, a proven veteran that can space the floor and shoot the ball well. 
Yeah, and just to give you possibly the flip side of that, I I think you may you might be right, and that's why, that's once again just hammering home the Eastern Conference semifinals. How interesting they're going to be. I think the one the flip side, if you were making the pro bucks like anti 76ers argument, maybe if you're my friend Evan Crick, who kind of who placed kind of a flyer bet on them to win the Eastern Conference at mm. plus sixteen hundred odds. Dang. Okay. You know, that's that's kind of nice. Yeah, looking pretty <laughs> good. Shouts to him. Versatility. That's kind of yeah. your your flip side to that. To win the East, there are all these kind of different teams with all these different looks, and you need enough to kind of throw at people. You know, now you can do kind of – you can play Miritich at the three with Giannis and, and Brooke Lopez if you want to go big. You can do the small ball thing in mm-hmm. a possible Warriors series even right, kind right. Of against that death lineup. You know, you kind of have all these different wing options to, to throw at them now, and your spacing is going to gonna be a weapon no matter what. I agree in the playoffs when things slow down and rotations shorten. Will it be enough? We saw this with the Rockets last year. Kind yeah. of the same. They're kind of like Rockets East in that way, besides mm. the fact that Giannis can't, can't shoot threes. <laughs> yep. It's kind of it's yeah. that same theory in many ways. But I think versatility is is definitely useful. How useful is it in the playoffs? You're right. That remains mm-hmm. to be seen. But I think for what they gave up, it's a no-brainer move. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, I, I did want to move on and talk yeah. Boston a little bit. Sure. Like, I think we could kind of gloss over them. They didn't make any really big No, they're moves. looking at this, and, and I think... Yeah, and let's let's just because like we didn't we haven't brought up Anthony Davis until forty five minutes into this podcast, and I think that's an achievement of itself just because of all this like the big talk that's surrounding him. And if you guys haven't like you guys can get our takes on Anthony Davis in our last podcast that we did. But what I really wanted to say now that Anthony Davis has not been traded, yep. they did not take the gargantuan LA offer. Basically, LA kind of offered the boat and they still wanted more picks basically basically um, all right you can i'll <laughs> i'll imitate this conversation okay. well okay, okay you can be magic johnson give me give me your offer and i'll be dell demps so dell um hey what we want to offer we want to give you kuzma ball uh-huh ingram uh-huh you want zubach too okay we'll uh-huh. throw in zubach uh-huh. josh hart yeah uh-huh. sure throwing it we'll throw him in too uh-huh. And uh, two firsts, couple salaries. Uh-huh. We'll we'll make it work, right? <laughs> Just conversation <laughs> over. Conversation is over. Yeah, that's exact. I mean, that's how it played out. So, like, let's just do the quick, quick timeline yes. of how it went. It was literally just, I think, a Monday of this past week. Magic Johnson gives calls them up and says here's our offer like this is our big offer and then i think i was on tuesday they're like we're i don't know why we keep bidding against ourselves we're not going to make a, another offer to them until dell dems basically gets back to us and he just never, never he did. just never really returned I think a Woj call reported on at like 11 on trade deadline day like they haven't talked and they're probably not going to and then it just passed and they kept him you know we were wondering could there possibly be magic johnson calls back up frantically at 245 saying like we'll give you four first round picks or something who knows if that happens or not Mm -hmm. It, it seems like things are pointing towards no but uh yeah i think that's it and i think if you're a laker fan 
I'm pretty disappointed because my chances of getting Anthony Davis just just decreased significantly. Getting Anthony Davis before he reaches free agency right, right. just dropped drop. significantly. Um, and if you're the, p- this is why I don't want to rehash this whole yeah, thing yeah. with like Tatum and whatever. But if you're the Celtics, you're now definitely in pole position. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's kind of a question of. To someone like a Denver or someone like possibly even a Toronto, maybe if you don't disappoint in the playoffs now, maybe you're more incentivized to push all in mm-hmm. and, and get AD. But I think all eyes are now going to be on Boston in, in the summer. Uh, but once again, it just reinforces kind of if it reinforces that depending on the playoffs go, and Kyrie, you know, yep. is he more apt to stay or go and how that affects things. Yeah, totally. That's kind of, you're kind of back. It's almost like you're back to square one mm-hmm. in a way with everything. And, and that's kind of where you're at from from that perspective. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Do you, I wanted to look at things from the Pels perspective, just in the reports about Davis's playing time. But do you have anything kind of to add um, on that front? I mean, there's multiple things. Like, all right, there's two things I wanted to add. And I'll address the the Davis playing time point. So the Davis playing time point, I think, is kind of interesting. Like they they want to protect the asset, obviously, of like keeping him healthy, so he doesn't fuck up their his their trade his trade value to the point where they can't trade him and they'll be stuck with like basically getting maybe one of these guys like basically sheepish sheepishly going back to L.A. and being like, all right, well, like. You want him for like Kuzma and like something else, and <laughs> like Ellie's gonna just dramatically drop their offer. So that's fascinating because like there's this push pull of them wanting to basically tank now and get as good of a draft position that as they can get, whereas AD's like completely healthy. I don't I don't know if there's like rules on this about just like. Yeah, I don't know. If we were Shut, good lawyers, yeah. we would have been scouring the CBA, CBA for this. But yeah, but. I don't know if there's a rule where if you just shut a player down without him being healthy. I mean, I don't I don't know if they can do that necessarily, but it's not like he's not getting paid. So they like there's that stuff about like maybe him not wanting here him just wanting to play. Um I don't know. I I think it's like if I'm management, I don't want him to play because of all that stuff. No, I agree with you. Um, I, w- I have a pretty strong take on this, and the reporting is that he is going to play, but just, like, reduce minutes. Like 28, 28 minutes, minutes or yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. If, I'm, if I were New Orleans management, here's the thing. I don't own a team, and I don't know how much. Maybe they're afraid that if they don't play Anthony Davis, stuff. fines, or possibly just no one going to the games. Like, maybe yeah, they yeah. kind of are more incentivized to kind of keep some sort of ticket revenue coming in. I wouldn't worry about the fines. I would be looking for every. I would suit him up and give him. Do, do there's no rule against DNPCDs. Is yeah, there? yeah. I would be fine. Come and suit up. You're not playing. Yeah. I would even if I'm getting fined a million dollars to not play him. I wouldn't play him. Yeah. If he gets hurt and he can get hurt, he's Anthony Davis. He's gotten hurt. They're screwed. They're I. That risk is too big to me. And yeah. I and the upside of falling. I don't know how much they really can fall based on where they are. I, mm-hmm. I haven't scoured the standings that much, but the combination of the upside of possibly getting the number one pick and the downside of him, I I would really be hesitant to play him. So it'll be interesting to see how yeah. that plays out. And but I I think the one other point that I want to do 
was this really like insidious kind of thought like conspiracy theory of basically what Brian Windhorse was putting out there in terms of like Dell Demps basically masterminding this and and kind of tanking the Lakers morale slash yeah. chemistry, which I found was like a fascinating point because it it gets into this do people want to play with Le- LeBron? Do people like playing with LeBron? Like there's all all these questions like they just had an ex- really ex- they looked like a legit team yeah. last night when they beat Boston but the game before that <laughs> when they played Indiana and they lost by 42 points to an Indiana team that doesn't have Victor Oladipo was that that game just kind of epitomized what was going on in that locker room I feel like just because of all the trade rumors yeah. and all this stuff and I think it it makes it fascinating to to see what effect it has on like all the talk, all the Twitter stuff, the Woj bombs, like all that stuff has on teams' chemistry For and sure. and how it can really affect it or tank it. And I think now once the trade deadline passed yesterday, there was just a mentality switch. Like we're here, like we we're gonna be here for the rest of the season. Let's try and make it as good as we can for for the rest of the season and see where we can go yep agreed agreed 100 percent. you had every point i was gonna say about that so yeah it's just like it was just crazy like because like because of all the chemistry issues that ended up popping up and and i don't think they're all well yes lavar ball makes a return too yes saying he wants lonzo and phoenix and and that lonzo's better than lebron i don't know if you saw that yeah definitely saw that yeah yeah yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Is all well now that they beat the Celtics? I don't know, but that eighth spot, it'll. We could talk about the Kings real quick if you wanted to. That's well, kind I of don't. A fun I, trade. I, I actually did want to shift. So one other quick trade uh, um, on the e- in the Eastern Conference. Oh, okay. Before okay. we shift to the Western Conference. Okay. Eastern Conference. Because I want to also put a pin in. I actually want to talk about not the Reggie Bullock, but I want to talk about one of the moves the Lakers made because I think it's actually one of the worst moves. Okay, why don't why don't we talk about that first? We'll talk about the Eastern Conference that last Eastern Conference deal and then move straight to the West. Okay. So go go with your Reggie Bullock slash Mike Muscala. So my problems with the Muscala trade. So the. Kings, the Lakers made this move. They traded Avita Zubats and um, Michael Beasley for Mike Muscala. So the move was apparently to do two things: one, to open up a, uh, a roster spot, Car- looking at Mello, Carmelo, wiggling, yep. looking at Mello and wriggling my eyebrows, and probably to get a little bit more shooting. Now, these are two things the Lakers. Avica Subac is a fine player. He's arguably the best center on on the Lakers. He's 21. You gave up a perfectly good player to open up a roster spot. Why not just wave Beasley? Yeah. Why are you giving him up for nothing? And Mm. secondly, getting Muscala, who's whatever, he's fine. You should have fucking gotten shooting in the offseason. Yeah. This is your fault for this harebrained. We're going to surround him with playmakers plan yeah it just absolute ineptitude from that front office and it it shows you know Mm -hmm. and it kind of makes me glad just from a a salty perspective that the lakers didn't end up getting anthony davis because you 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 know just like 
you shouldn't be able to bumble around and just fall into fall into good things. Yeah, I, th- I think these those moves they're not huge moves, but it just shows kind of. And I don't think they're like the worst front office ever. Oh like, no, I'm no. not trying to like shit on them completely, but it it just go- it goes to show you kind of like that there really isn't. There's kind of an absence of of a plan there yeah, beyond it's sh- what you would and expect. And I think that's like the interesting thing of you saying, I don't like how they lucked into those moves. Like, and I'm not the biggest Boston Celtics fan, but they made moves and smart moves to acquire the picks that they did, choose the right guys in the draft, and then acquire certain salaries that can match up with the Anthony Davis. And I can appreciate that model a lot more of what they were doing in comparison to what LA's done in terms of their terrible draft like some of the draft picks that they've made and then also just like locking into it because they're LA and just saying yeah we're the LA Lakers like of course we get them yeah like and that's like the type of arrogance that I just don't like and I was happy that they didn't get them in the trade deadline and I hey, hope and it still might work out for them it's yeah it might I, not I just matter, yeah but and I think you know eventually AD probably goes there but just delay it for another two years and have LeBron suffer a little <laughs> bit more so I don't I don't mind that at all the one one other Eastern Conference trade yeah uh, man, we saw some fire there from Andrew uh, talking about the Lakers and Mike Muscala. But the one one Eastern Conference Mike trade... Mike Muscala's dad's also a racist. So. Yeah, yeah. That was a little... <laughs> that was pretty bad. So <laughs> what, what I wanted to talk about is give a little shout-out to my boys down in Washington. Because, oh, uh, fire all sale! the sadness that's going on. John Wall, help! I've fallen and I can't uh, get up. Yep. So, I I it I just want to do like a minute or two on yeah. them because I think they're gonna try to move in. We a should different just direction. have like taps playing in the background yeah. as you say this. Seriously. Here, I'll just let you go. I'm sorry. I'm fired up now. Like Bobby Portis, Jabari Parker from Chicago, and a second round pick for Otto Porter. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> this Washington team like is such a weird team slash front office that's because they've changed directions like three times in the course of a season in terms of what they've wanted to do in the beginning of the year they're like all right we're going we're basically going all in with this yeah. team signing Dwight basically trying to make this this talent play and I've basically I basically got sucked into it chose them fifth in the Eastern Conference and how foolish that looks now but like they they were like, all right, we're all in, we're still all in. Making the the Ubre for Ariza trade, saying we're all in, and then after this team starts struggling and after Wall goes out, they're like, all right, maybe we need to start rethinking the, this thing. Ted Leontis is like, all right, I want to get under the tax, save some money. So basically, siphoning off these assets, Ubre they traded because they didn't want to re-sign him next year as a restricted free agent. Now they get rid of Porter's contract for next year, which looking at where their objectives are now and what they were able to get, Bobby Portis, Jabari Parker, expiring deals, and then get off Porter's money, I was like, all right, that's fine. The one albatross of a contract that's weighing them down is John Wall. 
I looked at his contract yesterday to see how much more, how many more. The extension hasn't even kicked in. He has four more years of like a hundred sixty something. Like he uh, he's getting the last year of that contract is a player option for $47 million. I think he's going to probably opt into that. Yeah, he's opting in. <laughs> so that's – it's it's just like – and he's not going to play for – he's not going to play until he's 30, basically, uh, the next well, time he's on the court. Unfortunately, people, in case someone doesn't know – I, I made a life alert joke about it. I feel actually really bad for him because he seems like a, a solid dude. He, yeah. You know, there were the, all these jokes, you know, Peter Griffin falling down the stairs, <laughs> all this stuff. <laughs> he basically had had this weird heel injury and he fell down in his in his home and ruptured his Achilles and he's going to be out for it. He had this infection. He's going to be out for at least 12 months. That's also like the worst injury he could also have because he relies so he can't really shoot. He relies so much on his athleticism. So now he's going to be getting old and with an Achilles contract, uh, with an Achilles issue. You basically hit on every point. He's yeah. going to be an albatross. I think the Wizards made good moves so long as they don't, you know, hopefully they don't sign Bobby Portis and Jabari Portis. Portis is a nice player, but hopefully they don't sign these guys to like bloated extensions. Right, they right. should be in the mode of like operating under the luxury tax. Mm-hmm. The one thing I wanted to add, I think Beal is screaming in flashing bright red lights as like he's the next guy who's going to want out. Yeah. And I do wonder if they're going to look back on this trade deadline wishing they had fished around for and deals now while he was still in the kind of meat of this contract. And this was my kind of like idea um and this is this is involving the previous team that we're talking about the la lakers my idea was i i thought maybe la would have placed a call to washington Hmm. and just been like a kind of doing a risk analysis and saying hey we're not getting ad like we're not getting him during this trade deadline the fact that he's not traded to us during the trade deadline means he's probably it's going to be really tough to get him in the offseat like during yeah when when Boston is in the deal in the deal or in the market for him I was curious as to if Magic Johnson would have been like hey like do you want so and so for Bradley Beal just to kind of give LeBron another It's piece. interesting and it look it probably depends on how patient they are mm-hmm. but I don't know. They were too busy fucking trading away Zubach for absolutely no reason. Yeah, so yeah. I don't. But no, that's that's a really interesting point. Uh, I agree. I, they probably should have done that. I don't think Washington would have done it. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're probably being hard hit. I think it's one of those things where, like, until he comes out and says he's going to be traded. Yeah. There, but is ignorance bliss in that way? That's why it'll be interesting. to. They're probably not going to make the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. So, like they're going to be kind of interesting to see going yeah. forward. But I once again I think getting off Porter's money w- was was a was a good idea. Mm-hmm. People are will he fare better in Chicago where he can be more of a focal point in the offense? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know if I see it, but it'll but be interesting the fit between him, Wendell Carter and Laurie Markkinen because those three in the f- in the front court, I think it's going to be an interesting uh mashup of those three players and they really need to Im- improve that point guard spot because Chris Dunn's not getting it done there. So we'll see what ends up happening there. John ja Morant maybe going to there. Uh, that'd be exciting. 
Now, moving on to the Western Conference, what I wanted to talk about, I mean, I think the most interesting team, obviously, besides, I would say, Dallas, and we reha- we, we talked about all of the Kristaps Porzingis um, stuff yeah. before. Yeah, and he's probably not going to play this year, reporting right, right. says. Exactly. So there's really not much to talk about on that front, and it kind of informs this m- move. Yeah, if that's where we're going. Sorry. Yeah, I was actually going to talk about Caleb Swanigan for Scallop. <laughs> hey, I love that. We can talk about that. I think <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about that. that we'll, the ta- end. we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but um, no, it's the uh, Harrison Barnes trade from Dallas to Sacramento for Zach Randolph and Justin Jackson. I like this deal for the Kings, honestly, because it's uh they they were going to have a lot of cap space for the next year, but it's not. Like, realistically, who's going to be going to the Kings, signing a long-term offer for the Kings? And they utilized the expiring contract of Zach Randolph and then kind of threw in Justin Jackson as this young player for Dallas to have and and gave up Harrison Barnes. And Harrison Barnes is going to be able to kind of be a key rotation piece for them as they make this push towards the playoffs. And... It's exciting because Marvin Backley's really, like, I would say over the last 10 games or so, he's really taken off in terms of, like, the, I think he's averaging, like, 18 points a game slash having, like, eight or nine rebounds. And this is, like, the second round pick, even though the Doncic pick probably still kills them. It's still, it makes it feel like, oh, we don't have, like, a complete bust on their hands or anything like that. So he's another guy that's been improving. Harry Giles, he's kind of looking back. great. He's looked amazing. Yes. And I'm really impressed with him. The the rotation of him, um, who else? Bagley, Cauley Stein. Yes. That's an interesting like three those three big men. That's pretty interesting. For sure. And then you throw in Harrison Barnes Barnes as like maybe a small ball four or or he can be like a, a three. Yeah, I think that was the one thing lineups. they were lacking, and I think that's what they were going for. Mm-hmm. When you're playing the Warriors, when you're playing these teams with kind of big wings, you were starting Bogdanovich, who's been really, really good for them. Right. But he's kind of a small, he's more of like a 2-3, where Barnes is kind of more of a 3-4. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think um, Jaeger was looking at that, seeing like, Oh, that's kind of probably the one the one thing we're lacking. They pretty much have everything when we're talking about versatility and they all do. that now. And they pretty much can go any direction they want. And in the West night tonight, that's you know, they're gonna make a push for that eighth seed, man. They have every incentive in the world to, to go for it. They yep. don't have their pick, so mm-hmm. just go for it. Yeah. yeah, we'll see what ends up happening. And like they improved like we meant we jokingly mentioned like uh, Caleb Swanigan, they got him. <laughs> but then they also got Alec Burks uh, from Cleveland in yeah. like that three-team deal where they shipped out. I think it was Shumpert to Houston. Yeah, Shumpert went to Houston. And God, there were so many ends. Then Houston dumped Knight on on Cleveland, basically. Right. And then it was Knight, Marquise Chris, 2019 first-rounder, 2022 second-round pick from Houston, um, basically just to get off money. Yes. Like, that was literally just to get off pure money. salary dump um and then stauskis the the stauskis baldwin like duo of getting traded like i think it was traded two or three t- three times or so during this trade deadline um they got traded 
Um, and I, yeah, I honestly don't even know where they ended up. And they got waived right. by the Pacers. Right, so. right. And then Cleveland ended up sending Alec Burks to Sacramento. Yeah. And that that was the move that I think can be a sneaky, decent move because he's he's able to handle the ball. Um, backup minutes for him between him and Yogi Ferrell, what they're going to do at the backup, backup point guard position is going to be fascinating. And seeing how this trade deadline, because they got a, got rid of a lot of their veteran pieces, like how they're going to able to how they're going to be conducting themselves as they make a push for the eighth seed, and then if they make the playoffs, what they look like in the playoffs. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, so that I mean, in the West, there wasn't that much interesting news other than L.A. Well, that's Sacktown, yeah. and well, that's kind of what's interesting when you look at what happened in the East versus the West, and you look at teams like Utah. Like a lot of these teams were gonna stand pat, the Nuggets, OKC. There wasn't much room yeah, for them none. to do. Yeah, the Spurs don't really love to make deadline moves. Yeah. The one opportunity, I think, when you look at... And the Kings were the one team to do this, and they're more looking to make the playoffs than... Mm -hmm. There's still that kind of void for, like, that two... That number two team in the West. And I'm surprised no one made... I'm looking at Utah. I'm looking at Portland. All that we can talk about Portland later on, yeah, and yeah. how they probably lack the f- cap flexibility to do it. Mm-hmm. But I'm surprised if we're looking at like this trade. The deadline really had everything from the kind of the big moves to kind of the more interesting salary cappy stuff. Mm-hmm. But no team made that like big move to kind of be like we we want to be that number two team. We want to be that other West because yeah. making the Western Conference Finals is a big deal. You're probably going to get rolled by the Warriors, yeah. but no team really like grabs grab the bull by the horns to say like we're going to make a move that hope that really can get us. If you had there. to put money down now, who would you bet on the Rockets as a, as a number two team? The Rockets. Oh, the number. Not necessarily. Oh, I was more saying to make it to the Western Conference oh, okay. Finals. Yeah, yeah. I think the Nuggets will probably end up staying as the number two team. I think OKC. If okay. they can get it, like Paul George looks really good. If Westbrook could kind of stabilize a little bit post All Star break, I think it'll be really interesting between the Nuggets, the three teams we outlined: Nuggets, OKC, and um, this is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nuggets, OKC, and Houston. You Houston, think? yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. Houston might have kind of too much of a gap to to bridge. I was thinking about this. We're probably, I don't know. We have a few maybe more straight points to hit, but we're probably wi- winding down. I was thinking about Western Conference seeding yesterday and mm-hmm. how jammed up it is. If you're a Western Conference team, you want to probably get that two or three seed. I'm just thinking about my own team, Portland. Yeah. Don't you want to avoid that 4-5 matchup at all costs? Mm-hmm. And it'll be really interesting to see if you get to the last couple t- uh, days of the season. They're just Like, posturing. I would rather be the 6 seed than oh, the 4 yeah. seed. You I know what I mean? I would rather be 6 or 7. Yeah. 6, 7, 2, 3. That's, like, yeah. where you, you want to be on the other side of the bracket of the Warriors and try to avoid them as long as so possible. So it'll be interesting to see as we get to the end of the season if, if teams try and kind of do what, that. What would be fascinating is if the Lakers kind of, like, are you know, struggling a little bit, if they become the eight seed, Golden State's number one. Sure, that's that, obviously Yeah, that would fun. be fascinating. Um, yeah, I think as it currently stands, I pulled the pulled the standings up right now. Golden State's at one. Yeah. Denver's one and a half games back at two. 
Now OKC is two games back of Denver at three. Four is your Blazers at five and a half games back of the Warriors. And then the Rockets. Like that 4-5 matchup, Rockets, Blazers, I don't know how you would feel about that potentially. Basically, I want the Blazers to either get up to three so they could hopefully play like the Spurs, Utah, one of those teams. Mm -hmm. Those are teams I actually think they'd have a chance or you fall to, like, six and play. I mean, they'll probably lose against OKC. Maybe you want to fall to seven and play the Nuggets. Den- like when you're, I'd probably rather play the Nuggets than I, OKC, yeah, to be just honest Just because, like, you. you don't know, like, how they would perform in the playoffs. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, like, an interesting, as we transition from the trade deadline Can to we talk about faults real quick? We did oh, hit it. We, we did, did yeah. hit it, like, briefly. Yeah, yeah. But I had a couple thoughts on, on that. Okay. Um, why don't we talk about faults then? Okay. Yeah. Um. So the trade, as you outlined, it's basically Fultz, uh, Fultz for Jonathan Simmons, protected, uh, protected first. first and a second. Yep. The the picks coming from OKC. I actually wanted to talk about this from the Philly perspective. Okay. It makes sense to me that they were cutting bait with Fultz. Mm. I have I follow Philly fans on Twitter and they seem pretty happy about it. Yeah. Good for them to get a first round pick and kind of save face. From the Orlando perspective, I love it also. Why not? You're giving him a chance. Orlando is probably one of the best franchises he could go to in terms of, like, he can get playing time if he wants Mm -hmm. it. But they can also bring him along slowly and outside of the limelight. But the one thing, the one nitpick I have with this deal from the Philly perspective... Yeah. Couldn't I have gotten Terrence Ross instead of Jonathan Simmons? Yeah. Simmons is shooting 22% from three. Yeah. I'm not sure how useful he's going to be. And honestly, I would have rather... The first-round pick is useful in saving face, but I would have rather gotten a, a player who I actually think could have been a meaningful... And maybe they think they're getting Ellington in the back of their minds and maybe. it doesn't matter in that. But I'm a little disappointed if I'm if I'm a Philly fan that they couldn't get yeah. an actual useful yeah. rotation. W- like would you have player. done Ross and a second over the yes. pick? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I, like that's what they're they're making all in moves. Yeah. Um but it's kind of nice to say like we still recouped the first round pick for Markel Fultz, especially with all the stuff that they were going through. Yeah. So I could kind of see it from like an image. Exp- for like sure. A hundred percent. It being an image play and being like, all right, we're saving face here and we're, we're still getting a first. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know how valuable Simmons is going to be. Like, is he going to be playing really? Like, I think they're probably going to give him a shot. I think they'll probably have to. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, 22% from three, uh, and that's what they're lacking. Yeah. And, like, that's the worry. Yeah. That's the huge worry for that for that team and seeing if they can get enough three-point shooting around those playmakers. Yeah. And, hey, man, let's just set some – let's just take five seconds to say a silent prayer for Markel Fultz because I – I really want him to. I want. I him want to him good. to be a useful NBA yeah. player. Like I don't want it to. And like I don't want it to go Anthony down like Bennett. this. I don't want yeah. him to be an oddity. Hopefully, he can get that thoracic outlet syndrome under <laughs> yeah. control. Uh, yeah. I, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I, so. Yeah. We're hey, just and the good thing about the Magic, the problem in, with the Sixers is he had been 
he was stuck in a situation where the only way he would be useful to that team was if he could do the one thing he really seems to not be able to do. So hopefully yeah. in the ma- with the magic, he can kind of, they can be like, hey, go out there and just do do your thing. Do like what you can do. And, and hopefully things can blossom And he showed there. signs of that. That's yeah. the thing. And he showed signs. Maybe he wasn't the greatest shooter or anything like that, but he showed signs of him being able to penetrate um, sh- use his athleticism to get to the paint or get into the paint and make buckets. So I'm hoping he's able to turn it around and that'll make things interesting with Orlando and seeing what they end up doing with uh, those. Yeah, it's the kind pieces. of move they need to make. You know right, what right. I mean? It's They're a just great, taking shots. it's a great low risk move. Yeah, exactly. Take exactly. shots on what to do. Okay. So I'm looking at uh, the other deals and there's not much out there. Yeah. I think we've covered pretty much all of it. Yeah. The one and we and now I think this is where we transition to talk about the outlook for both of our teams okay. for the rest of the season. Um as we like we talked about the second half obviously or like we previewed the second half was it two podcasts ago. Um but what I did want to talk about is how this trade deadline affects affected our team and yeah. what that looks like going forward for our team. So why don't you go first? Because they actually made a meaningful trade yeah. uh, to kind of shake things up in their rotation a little bit with Rodney Hood. Um, so they made that deal. I know. I know what it was off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, uh, well, actually, I don't know what years the pick. I know one came from 2023, but they traded Stauskas, who had fallen out of the rotation. Um, he's unfortunately shooting 32% from three. And, and that's the one thing he was supposed yep. to be able yep. to do. Which I feel really bad for Stauskas because he's at, he had that great, like what he'll be remembered for is opening night against the Lakers that was having great. that great that was game. Great. Yeah. That was a fun moment. He seems like a really nice dude on the bet. I think he really enjoyed it in Portland. Yeah. You saw it even when he wasn't playing, you saw him kind of smiling on the bench, being kind of a towel waver. Mm-hmm. And I think people really liked him. And then you had Wade Ball Baldwin, who I feel bad for, you know, kind of that first round pick who just kind of he's looking like a bust, basically. So hopefully he gets a shot in the G League or something and we'll we'll get he's a young guy who can, you know, defend and score a little. Hopefully he he gets a shot with another team. But anyway, two basically nothing pieces and then two second round picks for Rodney Hood. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm happy with that, like just in terms of. You know, he just gives them another option when it comes yeah. to kind of that 2-3. Last night he came in and actually played a lot of meaningful minutes. He came in with that bench unit and was showing, like, an ability. Like, I think this could be a really... Like, what he'll be able to do at the very least is come... Like, this is a situation he hasn't been able to be, be in for a while. When he was on Cleveland, he was kind of stuck in that, like, I have to stand in the corner and, like, hope I make it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. LeBron James is going to fucking rip my nuts off. Right. You know? He can do a little bit more stuff. <laughs> yeah, he can Portland come in off. in that right. bench unit and, like, you know, kind of work against guys, score a little bit. Like, last night they posted him up one-on-one on, like, yeah, Patty yeah. Mills, and he kind of went to a fadeaway and got a bucket. I'm getting too excited and yeah. just... <laughs> Bumped into another chair here. And then he played, actually, in the fourth quarter with... uh, They were playing a lineup of... uh, An interesting lineup of Dame, CJ, Hood, Mm -hmm. Jake Lehman. Fucking Jake Lehman, man. (laughs) I love what we've seen from him. Just hustle all over alley-oops. Just kind of So for those of you guys that don't know, Andrew's a Maryland alum, and Jake Lehman went to 
Maryland. So he's a Maryland tech. So anyway, but he gives you an option possibly kind of at that three spot if you mm. want to go for a more shooting heavy lineup. Um, so it's good, but like you raised this point to me, and this is kind of what Blazer fans were upset about. I mean, people were pretty mad after the trade deadline passed, and I hoped that they were going to make another move also because the hood trade happens pretty far back it happened on like tuesday monday or two no it monday happened on monday yeah di- i don't think no it didn't happen on monday i think it actually happened on saturday because i was at my friend's house in yeah yeah in Jer- yeah, it was yeah sunday. saturday i'm sorry yeah, it was sunday sunday yeah. and then it got approved yeah, on monday yeah. so yeah sunday was actually when it came through but y- people were hoping for another move because at the end of the day is that meaningful Will he play in the playoffs? I don't know. It probably depends on the matchup. But I think people were hoping for a a solid upgrade at that three position, Mm -hmm. and it didn't come to pass. And, you know, there are no other Blazers fans who miss listen to it. Olshay, so here was the kind of prominent Twitter chatter from a Blazer perspective. It was like, ah, Olshay, he's he's afraid to make a risk. All he does is take a risk all he does is these bargain basement moves the hood trade the scal trade which i actually really like for them i see no i have no idea why the kings did it from their perspective swanigan has shown absolutely nothing Mm -hmm. and i guess scal hasn't shown too much either but he's kind of been buried on their bench and i think he's going to be buried for the blazers this year at least too behind kind of nurkic collins and myers leonard but this is kind of what they've done, wh- whether it be Harkless, Shabazz, Napier. You kind of trade for this guy who's on the outs but shows promise, and they've been been shown an ability to, do to bring these guys along. Mm-hmm. So I, I have faith that they can do it with, with Scal also. He's kind of a, a guy like NBA kind of deep heads. Like right, right. As, as a he's a skillful guy. He's skillful big man yeah Yeah. but anyway to bring about my point i don't want to go on about this too long people are saying uh all Olshay does is these low risk bargain basement moves what about the big swing and i say that aspect of things is overrated and what's underrated is how the summer of 2016 impaired their ability to make meaningful moves yeah um if they wanted to make that miratic trade you're sending out either myers leonard you know or Mo, Mo Harkless, who hasn't really looked that great and has a year left at kind of like the nine million, ten million mm-hmm. uh, marker, and he hasn't proved that deal. Yeah, so they, they, you, you're just hamstrung by your ability, like by by these guys left on the, and it just goes to show. And when you look at the teams who kind of are the losers of the trade deadline. A Portland, possibly, although I'd put them at kind of like a, a neutral. Yeah, yeah, neutral. Detroit, Charlotte, like these are all teams who like are hams, like who they are just capped, like yeah, who, they're capped out. Yeah, who they these blew their load on that one summer where yeah. they made all these deals, yep. and then they they got hamstrung by the by the cap yep. because of all the bad decisions that they made in terms of giving out these contracts. And honestly, some of them they probably had to do it like charlotte they were competitive at the time yeah. and they had to like give batum con this contract because he was playing well like yeah. like and i think other teams would have given him a deal like yeah. that it's just now like when these guys aren't performing and you now need to attach a first round pick or something like that like 
to ship these guys off like Houston did with Brandon Knight. Yeah. Being able and t- taking that money on the it becomes a problem. Yeah, and the one good thing with the Blazers is that the guys aren't completely dead money. They've shown themselves to be at least playable right, to right. in varying degrees. But, you know, it's still and after this we can we can shift to the Nets, but it'll just be really I'm I'm starting to get and why I'm thinking about playoff seeding so much in matchup. I think the Blazers really need to get out of the first round this year and I think that's kind of the one if reason people are mad they didn't make another move because if they don't get out of the first mm-hmm. round again they were actually the lightest at the end of the tunnel is starting to kind of come out you have Myers Leonard is going to be an expiring Harkless is going to be an expiring Turner is going to be an expiring so you're finally starting to see some clap cap flexibility on the mm-hmm. horizon the only guy coming off the books is Aminu this year which will actually be interesting to see what happens with him because I, I haven't really been too impressed with how he's been playing lately mm-hmm. But if they don't get out of the first round, I think the noise is going to get so loud around Damian Lillard. And he seems like a good right. guy. He seems like a loyal guy. But, you know, if he starts, someone has to get fired if they don't make it out of the first round this they year. they got to make it to and the then, second. And then least. you're going to see kind of, you're going to see what, what happens. Like, I think you're headed for turmoil there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's this is kind a, of. This is important. Uh, playoff run for yeah. the Portland Trail. So Blazers. I think that's why I understand people being upset at mm. them not making m- another move. So now the Nets, uh, Greg Monroe, Greg deal. Monroe, baby. Yep. So what are just just dump all your thoughts on me? Um, Karis Levert is coming back yep. tonight, and I I I just thought it was perfect timing, especially for the way we, for our podcast being yep. able to release it today, having Karis Levert come back tonight. It's it's incredible, it's an incredible feeling. Like I'm on a, I'm, I've been like on a high this whole year. Uh, D'Angelo became an all star. Like all these things are happening with this team, especially with how bad they've been in previous years, and because of how affected they were by that Boston deal, and now they are able to make pushes and moves towards the playoffs. I would have loved to see like a Meritage come in because I think mm. that was lacking a little bit in terms of like a bigger bodied four. Like they've been playing Damari Carroll a ton in that role as like a small ball four. And I would love to have like Meritage a- out there, even someone like maybe invest a little bit more in Dario Saric or something like that. Um, it would have been fun to kind of see that happen, but I'm not, completely upset at all because of all the success that they've had if once they get hopefully Levert and D'Angelo is able to carry this team and D'Angelo's done like an incredible job without Levert and Dinwiddie playing and he's basically carried this team like they've they've been playing guys that had or they signed to like 10 10 day contracts you're having Theo Pinson you know or whatever G League guys like in the rotation, like yeah. Trevion Graham and like Mitch Creek, like these guys. I've like never heard you, of Mitch Creek. Right, right. I've heard of Trevion Graham. He's yeah. okay, but but like Mitch, like yeah, Mitch he, you're right. He was like <laughs> playing games, like meaningful minutes yeah. in games. But like you know, the I watched the Nets Denver game. Yep, pulled off a great win at yep. home. Like this team is, like I think this team is basically a worse version of. Milwaukee in that they're really 
hard playing team and they're they're good uh, in the regular season and I think in the playoffs they're going to kind of show their true colors because yeah like they're the rotation shortens for yeah. the playoff teams and the thing about the Nets is there's not a big drop off from starter to reserve yeah so when when those reserves come in that's when the Nets can make their run usually so I'm kind of curious to see how Karis LeVert gets integrated back into the system and what the three-guard lineup, once Dinwiddie comes back in March, what those three players look like and how they play with each other and interact. But trade deadline-wise, I wasn't expecting too much, honestly. Um, they have a bunch of experience. The huge thing is still going to be like what they do with D'Angelo yep. Russell, and I think it's going to be really tough to give him up and just be like, all right, like sign sign you to the qualifying or whatever it is, or sign you to like. It, I don't know what they're gonna offer him, and I'm curious to see if he does get the max from like a restrict because he's a restricted free agent this year. What he ends up getting on the market, or if the Nets are just proactive and just kind you of you know what something. I was thinking about this just the one. I do wonder if we've talked about, like, Joe, ha the Nets have shown a proclivity for, like, taking care of their guys so far mm -hmm. and posturing themselves as a, like, Spurs-esque organization that's Sean Marks kind yep. of coming yeah, from yeah, that yeah. lineage that's like, hey, man, if, y if you do right by us, we're going to do right by yeah. you. So I do wonder if they just don't even let him get there and just sign him to an extension depending and on, I don't know if it'll yeah. be the something slightly below the and max. The thing is with, like, the Joe Harris deal with the Dinwiddie extension, those aren't bad deals. No. Like, they're good deals for the players that they are. Like, Joe Harris has been shooting the lights out. Like, Dinwiddie, he, before he got injured, was playing really, like, as one of their key role players. So I was really happy with the way they ended up, like, conducting that bit type of business. So I wouldn't be sad if D'Angelo gets re-signed at yeah. all. I'm, the next, like, thing is like how do we start competing with those top four yeah. teams? And well, that that's what I was gonna say. It's a lot easier to like show love to your guys when you're right. not ha eyeing that next level, and that's where it starts to come and in. And I think a lot of things will depend on like what their free agency aspirations are. Do they think they can get a low, a Jimmy Butler kind of one of right, these right. one A tier free agents? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think those dominoes will play a big part in everything exactly. as well. Yep. So. Don't have much more to add other than that. Yeah, um, I'm pretty much, I think we hit everything. We pretty much hit everything. Um, so thanks, Andrew, for coming on again to the pod. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, what's coming up down the pike in the NBA. We have the All-Star break coming up. Uh, yeah. The All-Star draft was last night. Who cares, really? Yeah, it um, was It was funny. Like, yeah. Giannis was oh, funny. Oh, yes, he's he, definitely he was charismatic. Talking about the tampering guy. stuff. Yeah, that was a good a good joke. But I was, LeBron, only, yeah. I was only saying that to say, I mean, we did three podcasts in pretty short order here. Yep. So I think we'll probably let the All-Star break pass, like, take almost a month or so, yeah, and then we can come back yeah, and we're probably as we're looking at exactly. the playoffs. We'll probably come back um, about a month or so. Uh, there, There's a... We've been talking about doing a really, like, interesting podcast, not more, like, high level about yeah. just, like, looking, take a, taking a bird's eye view of the NBA and the landscape of, like, the CBA because we are being trained to be lawyers so we can evaluate that, like, document and being able to see, like, where there's some inefficiencies and what 
can be improved in the CBA and in the NBA, what we'd like to see improved. So I think that could be fascinating. And having like these philosophical debates about like we we touched upon it here in this podcast, but like value of picks, value of first round picks, value of second rounders, um, like what what like changing the draft lottery system does to pe- to uh, front offices thinking on making certain moves ideas about tanking like like talking about all all those different topics so we're thinking about doing something like that we're actually and we might be doing a three-man podcast i haven't told you this we might be doing a three-man podcast with our good buddy chris as the ncaa tournament oh that'll be fun rolls around in the in the upcoming month or so so we'll probably preview the ncaa tournament and kind of like pepper Chris about any potential pro prospects that could come up from the uh, NCAA tournament and keep an eye out on for these teams that will be drafting in the lottery. So we'll talk about that. And then I'm also, we'll probably do it in the same podcast, actually. Matt, we'll talk about the Masters coming up because Chris is a huge golf fan. I'm a huge golf nerd, too. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Tiger, all that type of stuff. So thanks for listening, guys. And if you guys have not subscribed, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast and rate the podcast, hopefully five stars. So <laughs> thanks a lot, Andrew, for coming back on. Yeah, it was fun. And yeah, hopefully more craziness happens <laughs> in the NBA so we can talk about it. So thanks again. See ya.